So several weeks ago, uh, Brother Weldon Self and I, we were in the prayer room as we often sometimes find ourselves before worship on Sunday morning and uh, we pray for the service, we pray for uh, our country and uh, our community and Weldon prayed that he hoped, it was right after the start of the new year, he prayed for a, a renewed vision for us and for the world we live in and he prayed for a 2020 vision and you get the cliche there right 2020 and i told him then that i was going to steal that and, and i did uh and so you, you we rewind back a little bit to mid-december when casey told me he was going to be out of town uh out in kentucky for the week and he asked me to preach and so i began praying and we came to the conclusion that uh I really had no idea what I was going to talk about, uh, but then the Lord laid on my heart. I have this, this passion for music, and so I, the Lord told me to combine 2020 vision through the lens of music. And so today we are going to, the title, that's not it. It's still not it. Help me out, Justin. There we go. I have titled today's message, How Do We See 2020 in 2020? A reemphasis of four truths from the Bible through the lens of music. <coughs> Seeing 2020 is very important in life. You have to have vision everywhere a vision for work a vision for your home, a vision when you're raising your children, a vision in your marriage. We have a vision here uh, that we have uh, recently rewritten here even at East Ridge Baptist Church. And then practically and physically, you need vision. Hopefully it's 2020 for most of you. Um, take for example these next, this next slide. That's still the wrong way. So the, guy, so the guy on the left is me at a very young age, and I had no vision. I uh, did not have a vision for apparently the dentist. Uh, I did not have a vision for a good haircut. Uh, the only vision I had was for a really sweet looking Western shirt. And that probably belonged to my parents uh, for that vision. Although my sister up there, who's with us this morning, she's quite beautiful in that picture. And then the guy on the, on the other side is a few years later. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on that guy because he has zero vision. Uh, that shirt, those glasses, the braces that you can't see. Uh, seeing 2020 is tough. Um, I don't remember my first set of glasses. They were really, really long time ago. But here I am now at 42 almost, and I'm wearing trifocals or progressive lenses maybe. And so there are times in our spiritual lives when we need a renewed focus on seeing 2020. And I hope the next few minutes we can highlight together four simple truths about how we can see 2020 this year. 
And where does that point us to? Where it always should. It points us to the Word of God. It points us, thank you, Paul. I'm missing myself over there this morning. That, that points us to the Word of God. It points us to the text. Right there in Psalms 119, it says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And then beyond the Word of God, which is infallible and inerrant, how do we learn? We learn sometimes through music. Let's attribute that to uh, it accelerates the learning curve. We were all toddlers here when we learned the ABCs. And how did we learn them? By song. And we're not going to sing that this morning. But I remember sitting in a pew uh, in FBC Maypearl in Vacation Bible School. And that's how I learned about the greatness of the Lord, singing songs like Deep and Wide, Father Abraham, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's right. To this day, I even still remember the capitals of South America because of a song. And Leslie and I, I've sang that term many times. So, truth number one. What do I know of holy and how great thou art? Let's look at a couple lyrics. What do I know of holy, of the one who the angels praise? All creation knows your name on earth and heaven above. What do I know of this love? So what do I know of you who spoke me in the motion? Where have I even stood but the shore of along your ocean? And then looking at that hymn of old, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands hath made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. So what does that translate to? In 2020, we must give God the honor, glory, and reverence that he deserves. Why is that? Well, let's see what scripture has to say. And you can flip through. I have a lot of scriptures this morning. Uh, it's very topical. It is not in one particular book. But right there. In Psalms 92, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everything to everlasting, you are God. Or Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? And then in Colossians chapter 1, 16 through 17, for him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And then finally in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So what do these verses tell us? Our God created all things. He authors all things. 
He sustains all things. He knows all things. He is ever present throughout all time. That alone, church, should demonstrate to us how he should be deserving of our admiration, honor, and respect. In our world today, and sometimes even in our very churches, people diminish the God that is sovereign over all creation. They flippantly refer to him as the big guy or the man upstairs. You, uh, you see silly TV shows or movies today that poke fun at his deity and his power. But in reality, when we examine scripture, we see that when people of this earth really encountered God, they were literally undone, as Isaiah said. Scripture tells us that Adam was scared. Moses' hair turned white, and he could only see a glimpse of the Lord. Isaiah again was undone. Daniel was distressed. Even going into the New Testament, Peter, James, and John fell on their face to the ground and were terrified at the Mount of Transfiguration. Everywhere we see the Shekinah glory of God, which means where he dwells, it causes fear and reverence. And it should cause fear and reverence for us today. We need to remember this truth in 2020. The Lord God deserves our admiration, honor, and respect. Truth number two. Oh, church, arise. If we are the body, O oh, church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ, our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth will stand against the devil's lies, an army bold whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. And then the famous casting crown song but if we are the body why aren't his arms reaching why aren't his hands healing why aren't his words teaching and if we are the body why aren't his feet going why is his love not showing them there is a way there is a way what does that translate to in 2020 we must speak truth Love gracefully and become all things to all people. What does the scripture say? And for this, you might have to squint. <laughs> Proverbs 12. He who speaks the truth tells what is right, but a false witness deceit. Zechariah 8. These are the things which I should do. Speak the truth to one another. Judge with truth and judge for peace in your gates. The Gospel of John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35 then says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then in... 1 Corinthians chapter 9, picking up in verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became a Jew, so that I might win Jews. 
to those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, so that I might by all means save some. I will do things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. What does that translate to for us today? What does that mean to us? In 2020, we are commanded to speak the truth. We are to call sin, sin. We're not called to bow to the culture of the day, as this fallen world says, that everything's okay. As Gary mentioned a minute ago, today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And the world that we live in is so very confused by that. Today we celebrate human life from before birth until you're in the box in the ground. And we should do that. I won't go into the details. We'll skip around that. But you heard, you heard what Gary said. Planned Parenthood released about a week and a half ago their annual report for the last fiscal year. And they espoused in it that they performed 345,672 abortions in the past 12-month period. And then you heard the 62 million number that Gary referenced since 1973. 62 million. Abortion is murder. I, I do not care what my opinion is, I do not care what your opinion is. The Bible calls it murder. And we're commanded to call that sin as sin. Culture doesn't agree with us. Politicians don't agree with us. The same can be applied to many sins in the world. We're going to encounter people that have different opinions from us on the topic of marriage, abortion, homosexuality, the list goes on and on. But you know what? As Christians, we're called to speak the truth. Again, it doesn't matter what my opinion is or your opinion is. Our frame of reference should come back to the text. It should come back to the Bible. Now, we are going to meet people in the world that have a different opinion of us. And the second part of this truth is that when we do encounter those people who do not believe like we do, we're called to show them grace. It doesn't mean that we don't speak truth into their lives. We may even find a brother and sister in Christ that is not living right according to the text. Now, there are different ways to uh, treat both the saved and the unsaved, as the Bible says. I'll let Casey unpack that another day. Uh, but for now, we can trust what the Gospel of John teaches, that we are called to love one another. Again, that does not mean that we don't proclaim sin as sin, but it does mean that we do it in love. We don't beat people over the head with the text, but we tell them about it. 
We show them grace. And why do we show people grace? Because Christ showed grace to us when we were so undeserving of it. Now, the third part of this truth, this is where toes get stepped on probably. We must become all things to all people. There is a, uh, this is practically a Richards family reunion. Uh, Navarra County, the other side of Ellis County, Parker County. They're, uh, the churches are a little empty this morning back there because they're here. As a lifelong Southern Baptist, sometimes when we talk about things, it makes us get uncomfortable in that pew we've been sitting in for the last 50 years. But here's what's important. Our doctrine doesn't change. Our theology doesn't change. Those things remain constant and non-negotiable. But everything else is up for debate. I love pews, okay? But I can, I can worship Christ just the same in a chair. I love hymns. Ask my family. Ask Paul Stanford. But I can worship Christ just the same singing a worship chorus as long as it too honors and glorifies the Lord with sound words. I like wearing pants to church. I do. But I can worship Christ just the same in shorts. I enjoy Sunday school. I enjoy Sunday evenings. But if the unchurched in our community would be more comfortable coming to my home after I clean it up <laughs> instead of this building, then let's do it. Paul was all things to all people to reach them for Christ. When are we going to figure that out? Be all things to all people so that we can show them the glory of Christ. Amen. You know, I'm about to be 42 with trifocals. And during my life, I've been in church most every time the doors have been open. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But I grew up in the church. Some of these folks that are, that are moving to our community, that are moving into the county, or moving into the areas where you live, they didn't grow up in the church. They're not aware, perhaps, of the traditions that we keep. Matter of fact, without the Holy Spirit dwelling inside them, they're dead inside. They have no concept of the saving power of Christ. So let's remember that when we go forth from here, let's be all things to all people. Truth number three, he will hold me fast. It is well with my soul. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I can never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold, he must hold me fast. And then that hymn of old, 
When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. What do these songs teach us? That in 2020, we must know and be confident throughout every season and circumstance, God already knows. Matter of fact, God just doesn't know He was there before us. He's there now, and He'll be there after. He will deliver us. Let's look at what Scripture has to say. And oh my, oh my, these are small. <laughs> Again, first rodeo for this, okay? Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Spoken by Joseph to his brothers. You know, they were terrified that he was going to kill them after what they had done almost 15 to 20 years ago before selling him into slavery. And then this long passage, I'm not going to read, mainly because it's too small for me. But that's a joke. I have good vision. But we studied this on Wednesday night. Uh, Brother Tim brought this message. So here's my plug, and it's not even a shameless plug. Come on Wednesday nights, church. Our Bible study right now is so great. And we talked on Wednesday night around that, that first part of Joshua where the Old Testament says that when Moses died, Joseph took over and the Lord told him, I'm out in front of you. I'm ahead of you. I will protect you. Church, that applies to us. He's ahead of us. Even before we think about what we're doing, he's already there. And then 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are purchased by the power of God through faith for a such salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, it will not perish, even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, this is briefly, this is what Casey taught us about last week. No matter where we find ourselves, what did he say last week? God's got this. Sometimes we're not privy to his plan. Sometimes I would not have chosen his plan. But through every trial, difficulty, and season, 
God knew, and He was there holding us fast. We can take encouragement and have peace knowing that. Doesn't it give you comfort knowing that God is in control of everything? Consider the song, It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by Horatio Spafford in 1873. He was an attorney in Chicago, and he had a pretty good financial business going. And in the great Chicago fire of 1871, which was big if you didn't know it, it ruined him financially. It took the life of his two-year-old son. Fast forward two years to 1873, and they were, his family was going to try and resurrect his career overseas in Europe, and he got delayed, so he sent his wife and his four daughters across ahead of him over the Atlantic. The ship ran into another ship, and it sank rapidly. All four of his daughters died. Only his wife survived, and she sent a telegram saying, saved alone. And so as he traveled to meet his grieving wife, he asked the captain of his ship to stop or to let him know about where his family had passed away. And then he pinned the words to that song. It is well with my soul. That's how we're to be, folks. We're going to go through good times, bad times, great times. To quote Clint Eastwood, we're going to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. But the Lord has us. He will hold us fast. And because He has us, it can be well with our soul. No matter what happens. Consider the Old Testament story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were defying the king. He was going to throw them in the furnace. It was so hot that the guards that opened the door died. And he says, worship me or I'm going to throw you in. And what was their response? King, you can throw us in. And we may die, or we may not. But either way, we are not going to worship you. And then, I always go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you, in Christ Jesus. Are you searching for that answer to how you can rejoice always and have that comfort that he will always hold you fast? Are things not well with your soul? That brings us to truth number four. In 2020, we must honor God, speak the truth, love gracefully, be all things to all people, take comfort in knowing but the blood. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. 
What love could remember to wrongs we have done? Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore, our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. And then, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can my sin erase. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of works, tis all of grace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What do these verses tell us? That in 2020, we must proclaim. And I hope that we can tell the world to understand that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Let's look at what the Bible says. You should recognize these if you've been in a church for a length of time. The first one's up there out of Romans chapter 3, where it provides a really, really dark picture of who we are. There is none righteous, no, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. That's verses 10 and 11. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's verse 23. Church, we're, this world has fallen. We're dead. We can't seek after God. And then Ephesians goes on to say, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the counsel of this world. And then comes the good news. In Ephesians chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy, mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated up with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. No man may boast. Church, we were born dead, and we're separated from God. No good deed, no good works, no tally marks on how many times I've come to church in my lifetime. Whether I've been dunked in the water here behind me. None of that matters. There is no scale that weighs my good and my bad. And I hope one day that my good outweighs the bad. Salvation only comes from Christ who proclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today is my daughter Molly's eighth birthday. Happy birthday, Molly. I love you. If we go back eight years, y'all want to know what Molly had to do with her birth? Nothing. Uh, she had no part in it. 
And I think that in John chapter 3, that's what Christ is telling Nicodemus, who was supposed to be this great learned Jewish teacher. I think he was telling him that same thing. He's like, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, he had no idea what he was talking about. We have, church, we have no play in that. The Lord is going to draw us and then we must respond. And when you hear that and when you feel the Lord, you feel the Holy Spirit, that's where Romans 10, 9 comes in that says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Church, we have scripture to help have us clarity. I can't save myself. You can't save yourself. We must be born again by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate, that came, lived a perfect life, and died paying for our sins, rising again on the third day. If you want to know how you can see 2020 in 2020, it has to start at the foot of the cross. And just as the last song states, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.